Hey, I'm Dave, and thanks so much for checking out today's message. We're so glad that you are here, and we would love to get connected to you and your family. So one easy way to do that is that you can text the word River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some of our upcoming events. Lastly, if you'd like to give today to the River Church, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website, click on the Give tab right at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. excited to be here this morning. So as we've been kind of like tinkering through uh, the book of Ruth, uh, I hope you've been reading it at home. But also today we're going to land in Ruth chapter 3, Ruth chapter 4. So if you got your Bibles, uh, feel free to jump there. But as always, just to kind of like land where we're going to land. In Ruth chapter 3, verse 8, it says, At midnight the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. And you have made this last kindness great, that the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all that you, will, that you ask, and that my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. So today, as we've been going through, we talked about faithfulness in the family. We talked about service in the family. Today we're going to talk about a theme that, it's going to take some work to get there, but we're going to talk about redemption inside of the family. A little bit more over is how much does your family mean to you? How much are you willing to do for your marriage? Really, really specifically, husbands, how much are you willing to do for your wives? Wives, how much are you willing, or what is it worth how much are you willing to do for your husbands? Parents, how much are you willing to pay for your kids? And how much are you willing to do for your kids? But for us, looking at redemption is one of those things where we really have to make sure that we count the cost so we can really apply this truth. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, just thank you for your church. Lord, just thank you for your word. Lord, just thank you that at the center of both of those are you. Lord, just thank you that inside of your word, Lord, it reflects your character, your goodness, your grace, your mercy, and Lord, ultimately, uh, your plan, Lord, because we're ultimately able to know uh, not just more about you, but Lord, what you have for us. Uh, but Lord, thank you for your church where uh, it's a place where broken people, people who are trying to just get through life, Lord, have a place where they have somebody who can encourage them, who can weep with them, they can, they can rejoice with them. But Lord, just thank you for a place for all of us just to be able to have a place where we can belong and ultimately get closer to you. But Lord, today, I pray that we're able to uh, jump into your word, Lord, uh, learn some new truths, Lord, but ultimately leave here knowing how much you love us and care for us, and Lord, how much you paid for us. So Christ, we love you, and Lord, we pray this all in your amazing name. Amen. So yeah, so I'm a Bible nerd. That's one of the things, like, I love talking the Bible, I don't want to say I argue the Bible because I feel that that, that could be like sinful. <laughs> like it's just like one of those like it can become pride versus pride, arrogance versus arrogance. But like I love me a good Bible debate. I, I, I love just being able to kind of like, hey, here's what I think. Here's what I think. And just let's open the word of God. Iron sharpens iron. And let's go. So for me, like I, I love moments where I can kind of bring a little bit of that 
on a Sunday. And I think while I was, I was piecing through the last two messages, able to see Ruth easily. But this week specifically, we're going to have to do a little bit of work through the Bible. So if you give me some time, let me cook for a little bit. And again, I think God's going to show us a really, really cool thing. So, so Ruth chapter 1, again, it starts off Amalek. He walks away from the Lord. He sojourns in Moab. He wasn't supposed to sojourn in Moab. He was actually supposed to stay where he was supposed to stay, in the promised land. And again, what ends up happening? He's not facing the Lord. He ends up passing away, and he's not facing God's promise. That's tragic. That's where no man should be. Eventually, we see a little bit of the, the compromise that was inside of his family, take root in his sons, and his sons pass away, and they're not facing the promise of the Lord. And then, again, in grief, you got Naomi, and she's got Ruth, and she has Orpah, and Naomi's like, i got to go back to the promised land, because I hear God actually kind of restored that place. He, he brought a harvest back there, so they start leaving. Now, Orpah doesn't stay with Ruth. Ruth stays with uh, Naomi, and again, one of the most beautiful things, your people will be my people, your God will be my God. I, I, I absolutely love that verse, because it's a profession of the Lord. It's always been about profession of the Lord. It's always been about professing who God truly is that brings a saving, redeeming relationship into somebody's life. And that's Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 2, they get back to Bethlehem. And what does Ruth immediately start doing? She gets to work. She, I'm going to go glean. I'm going to go find a field. And again, if this person uh, finds favor in my sight, awesome. I need to go find some food. So she leaves. And again, just you can say coincidence. I don't really believe in coincidence. I believe in the sovereignty of the Lord. Just by the sovereignty of the Lord, Ruth happens to pick the field that is owned by Boaz, the, the central Christ figure in this story. And again, what does Boaz see? He sees her generosity. He knows what she's done for Naomi. Uh, I believe that there's a little bit of beauty in here. And I think he's like, again, Boaz is attracted to her work ethic, her beauty, her kindness. Again, I've heard all the kind things you've done for your mother-in-law. I think that culturally stands for a couple thousands of years. But again, you see something here in the Bible. But one of the things that's really, really important to know is, again, Boaz was a relative of Elimelech. This is where we're going to get into kind of like all things that go well, all things the kinsman redeemer, because with this, again, you can say coincidence, or you can say sovereignty. Ruth winds up in a field of a man who could actually redeem her. So again, it's it's responsibility of the kinsman redeemer to carry on the name and marry a childless widow. Ruth doesn't have kids. So Boaz has like a responsibility. And again, just the way, again, coincidence or sovereignty, the Lord has set all of this stuff up. But you have Boaz who's like, man, you can glean here. It's safe for you here. You're going to be protected. We need lunch. Here's water. You can be part of my servants, be with my young women. And then at the end of Ruth chapter 2, it says, So she kept close to the young women of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley in the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. So one of the things that we have here is, this isn't like a week. This is the end of a harvest season. This is like four months. So Boaz and Ruth, four to six months, have known each other. They've been hanging out with each other. They've been talking to each other. This was dating done in a sense of accountability. So all young people out there, or people who are dating, dating and just being like, hey, let's go alone and let's turn off the lights and do our own thing. Biblically, Ruth says there's a better way to do it. And dating with an accountability within structure, within people who are going to be able to keep you honest to the Lord, is biblical. I'm not trying to do a dating month sermon, but in the same right, I was a youth pastor for like five years. I can't get it out of my system. So you have that here, all in Ruth chapter 1 
in chapter 2. Now we get into Ruth chapter 3. And then Naomi. And again, we're at the end of the harvest season. What's going to happen? Where are they going to get food? Where do they go? What's going to happen? Ruth chapter 3, verse 1. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, Ruth, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you? So we should find rest for you. That it may be well with you. Is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is winnowing barley tonight in the threshold. So what do we got here? Naomi, it's ring by spring, girl. We know where Boaz is at. You should go to the threshing room floor. You should go talk to him. You should go see what's going on. I know where Boaz is going to be. You've been hanging out with him. You caught his eye. You caught his favor. You've been talking to him. Girl, go get that ring. Go talk to her. But then you got Ruth chapter 3, verse 3. And then Naomi says this. She says, wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak. And go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lies. Then go and uncover his feet and lay down, and he will tell you what to do. And she replied, all that you say, I will do. This is a very, very, huh, verse in the Bible. Because if you just quickly read this, And let's all just take a second to repent to the Lord for our depravity because your brain probably went to a place that it should not have. Because instantly what I think you were doing is you were coloring the picture of what's going on here. You watch too many, uh, uh, what are the young, oh, the young and the restless, the, the general hospitals of the world. You, you watch too many soap operas in your life and you know too much about chick flicks. It, what you're reading here, you're like, so wash yourself, therefore anoint yourself and put on a cloak. Now again, fast forward that to 2024. Put on the smell good. Go do your hair. Go get your hair done. Put on that cute outfit and go find that man. That's the Bible? I thought it was holy. <laughs> like, we, we have a moment here. But it's important to understand. We cannot take the truth. What is in 2024, what we assume is happening. We have to go with the original text was to the original audience to really understand what is going on. Naomi is not trying to set a man trap up for Boaz. Naomi is not just trying to plot and scheme to try to get Naomi Ruth with Naomi. That's not what's going on. What this is is a marriage proposal. Now this Ruth is going to go propose to Boaz? Yes. There's some key details that you have to know. In Ruth chapter 2, verse 8, Boaz says, and then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. What is signifying here is Boaz is older than Ruth. Back in the day, Near Eastern culture, customs, older men could not approach younger women and flirt with them, talk to them, and say, hey, let's get married. As a usurpant of power, you, you wanted to be able to set up like generational to generational, like, hey, young men to be with young women. That's what they tried to set up. So a young or an older gentleman could not just go up to a younger lady and say, hey, let's go get married. A young, older man had to find somebody within his generation. Now, I'm very, very happy that this custom does not exist because I am six years older than my wife, and I'm very, very glad that this is not a custom that we have currently in America because I was able to go talk to my wife. But this is where Boaz is living. Boaz could not strike up the conversation. Boaz could not ask her, Ruth, to marry him. Boaz was stuck. He could be kind. 
He could be loving. Hey, come and work with my field. Hey, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to give you food. But he could not initiate a proposal. But Ruth, being younger, could. So when you have Ruth, there, wash yourself and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing room floor. Do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe where he lies and then go and uncover his feet, lie down, and he will tell you what to do. This isn't meant to be sexualized. What this is meant to be is like, I'm here. I'm right in front of you. What would you like to do? Ruth isn't putting her dignity. She's not trying to do something that is immoral. She's not doing something that is against God's word. What she's doing is basically what she's saying. is She's like, hey, I'm all in on us. We've been hanging out for the last six months. Are you all in on me? This is Ruth proposing to Boaz. Now, dudes, this custom isn't coming back anytime soon. I would love to say it is, but I will also say, but man, women being super clear about what they want, I am completely here for it. Take up your issues with Kathy. She'll yell at me in the car. I thought that was a funny joke. But to look at it. But man, Ruth puts herself out there. This is a marriage proposal. She's coming in front. She's like, what do you want? And then Ruth chapter 3, verse 6 says, so she went down to the threshing room floor, And she did just as her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk from his heart, was merry, and he went down, he went to lie down at the end of the head of grain. And then she came and softly uncovered his feet and lied down. Now this is weird. She uncovered his feet. So he's worked hard. He's drank. He's ate. Merry in his heart. He's been doing his thing. And what does he do? Like again, you got Ruth who got her nails done, looking good, put her smell good on. She, She went down there. She was watching Boaz, let Boaz do his thing. Boaz then worked hard. He needed to take a power nap. He's sleeping at night. So what does Ruth do? She uncovers his feet. Why would you uncover somebody's feet in the middle of the night? Well, if you uncover somebody's feet at the end of the middle of the night, they get cold. And when they get cold, ever notice again, you start waking up when your feet are cold. This is Ruth's super submissive way to propose by uncovering Boaz's feet and then just sitting there. And waiting. And I'm here for you. And if you take notice, we can have a conversation. Again, one of those things, I don't think this custom for marriages and proposals is ever coming back. Because it's like, hey, sweetie, take off your socks. I got a ring for you. Like, it just doesn't translate after a couple thousand years. But this is what Ruth did. But this is a beautiful moment. Because Ruth uncovers, and she waits. She's waiting on him. But in Ruth chapter 3, verse 8 and 9, at midnight, the man was startled and turned over, and behold, a woman lie at his feet. Also, if you go to sleep and you're alone and you wake up and there's somebody in your room, startled is a very, very understatement of a situation. But all of a sudden, he's startled, and he realizes Ruth is there. And he says, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are my redeemer. So what is Ruth saying? Will you marry me? I'm in. Now we got to get into like a little bit of an understanding of culture again. At this moment, Ruth is saying, will you marry me? They didn't have to say, hey, let's go to the courthouse. Hey, we need to go get legal documentation. At this moment, if, if, if Boaz would have said, you're mine, they could have went on the things that we talked about when we first read the verse. That would have been permissible. But in this moment, you have 
Ruth, again, you are my redeemer. So as much as she's saying, marry me, what is she saying that's more important? She's saying, redeem me. Redeem me. And what is redeem? Redemption is basically to redeem something means to bring someone under your care, to pay the price, so to speak, for caring for them. So in this moment, this isn't just a, a fling, this isn't just a date, this isn't just a bad decision. This is Ruth putting herself humbly at the feet of Boaz and saying, are you willing to pay the price to care for me? Do you know how humbling that is? Now, again, if you you look at our proposals nowadays, again, it's a little bit different. Again, Ruth is saying, like, hey, will you please care for me? Again, this is where, again, I believe men should propose, so let's not just get this twisted. But the idea of, again, our proposals is a man looking at a woman saying, I will care for you. It's not just, here's a piece of jewelry. It's not just, hey, I think it would be fun to be married to you. Hey, I think you're great. It's, no, no, I'm taking you under my care. I'm taking you under my care financially. I'm taking you under my care emotionally. I'm taking you, most importantly, under my care spiritually. That is a proposal. That is what biblical marriage looks like. It's a little bit different, but same idea. Ruth, will you redeem me? Will you pay the cost to care for me? And this is beautiful because, again, Ruth pleads for redemption. She's pleading for care. She's pleading for protection. She's pleading for marriage. And then Ruth chapter 3, verse 10, it says, And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first, and what you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. Boaz, you picked me. You could have picked any young dude. They could have been richer, they could have been poorer, they could have been better looking than me. They they could have been, ultimately, again, younger, it would have been more socially acceptable. No, you picked me. Boaz is like, you have blessed me. And for now, my daughter, do not fear, I will do for what you will, let me try that again, I will do for you all that you ask, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a worthy woman. And this is the beautiful moment. Boaz said yes. Again, one of those things, dudes, I, 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 social media moment, she said yes. Social media moment, Boaz gets to turn around and be like, hey, she wanted me to wife her, and I said yes. Like, it, culturally, this doesn't work anymore. You don't see guys getting super giddy posting stuff on social media like, hey, she said yes, or she said yes. What do you see? You, you see women doing that stuff. But in this moment, again, what does Boaz do? You have blessed me. You were kind to me. I'm saying I'll do whatever you say to me. And this is one of those moments that for me, this is the neon sign moment of the gospel. To look at when somebody sat at the feet of the Redeemer and pleaded for redemption, will you pay the cost to care for me? This is that moment where if you don't see Jesus' work on the cross, in this moment in Ruth, we're never going to be able to apply this truth in life to our lives, to our families, in our walk with God. Like We'll miss it. If we don't see the gospel right here, and there's so many details that we went through, but the big picture here in Ruth is showing us exactly what Jesus did for us. Showing us what God, Jesus did, showing us that God sent his son to redeem us, to save us, to care for us, to love us, to welcome us into, our, into his family. Basically, redemption is to put somebody under your care by paying a price. Jesus did that for us. That cost that Jesus paid for us was very high. 
and it was paid on the cross of Calvary. And that payment, that payment to care for us was something that we never can pay back. We didn't earn it. We didn't act a certain way and get enough Chuck E. Cheese tokens, so to speak, to get ourselves in a spot where, okay, now we'll be redeemed. No, in our wretchedness, in our grossness, in our rebellion, in our wandering, Jesus said, I will pay the cost for them to care for them, to love them, to forgive them, and to bring them into my family. In Hebrews chapter 12, 12, verse 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that it was set before him endured the cross. Jesus, one, paid the price. Jesus, one, also had joy set before him to pay the price. Jesus knew exactly what the cost would be to redeem us. This wasn't something where God sent him down to the earth. He was born in a manger, lived 33 years, and oh, by the way, uh, there's a cross coming for you, bud. Jesus knew from the beginning. Jesus knew from the beginning when he came down to dwell with us, he knew exactly what his mission was. He knew exactly what the cost was going to be. Him dying, him dying a horrible death, him dying a horrible, humiliating death. Him dying a death for people who will never acknowledge what he did to bring them back to him. And yet Jesus deemed this was payable. Jesus deemed that humanity was worth it. Even those who don't accept him. Even those who reject him. That kind of love to lay down your life for somebody who will not acknowledge you. You can't fathom that kind of love. But Jesus also died. And he deemed that he would do it with joy. He would do it with joy to bring us back to a saving relationship with himself. That's redemption. I counted the cost. I knew how much the cost was. And I'm willing to pay the cost. Why? Because I want to love them. Because I want to care for them. Because I want them a part of my family. Jesus knew the overwhelming cost and he paid it joyfully. That is the gospel. And that's what I love about this, because in this picture of Boaz, you see the same thing. He knew the cost. He says, hey, whatever you want, let's do it. I will redeem you. But one of those things that I I really landed on with Boaz was I was working through this. I saw a truth about Boaz that I've never necessarily seen. And when you go to Ruth chapter 3, verse 12, it says, and now I know it's true that I am your redeemer, yet... There is a redeemer nearer than I am. This is a key detail because Naomi didn't realize that Boaz had a redeemer, a person, a kinsman redeemer, somebody who was closer in the family, who had the rights to choose whether or not they could pay the price to have Naomi. They could pay the price to have the land. And while studying the kinsman redeemer, this part really took it away because, again, what do you have? You have Boaz. I will redeem you. But God's word... God's law actually hinders me from just jumping onto this. So again, you have waking up, beautiful young woman, just took a bath, put on some nice clothes, put on some good smell good in front of her. We can't do this, sweetie. Could he have if he was the closest of kin? Yes. But in this moment, Boaz's obedience and his character for the Lord is shown. But he's like, hey, I, I can't do this. I'm not your go-to go-well. I'm not your go-to kinsman redeemer. Like, there's one closer. 
And for this, what do you have? The kinsman redeemer talking about, again, the widow, the land, the property. Like He's like, hey, we got to go talk to somebody else. Imagine if somebody popped a question to you and you're like, hey, yeah, I want to say yes, but i got to go talk to my mom and dad. This is why you go and talk to the parents beforehand, and this is why you make sure you take care of these things. But to all of a sudden have a huge life decision. This person's going to care for me. This person's going to love me. Hold on, i got to go talk to my accountant. Hold on, we got to go talk to this random guy who's not even in the story. But Boaz knows he has to go do this because this is obedience. And if we jump to Ruth chapter 4, verse 1, and now Boaz had gone up to the gates and he sat down, and behold, the Redeemer. Notice he doesn't have a name. It's not Fred. It's not Chuck. It's not Tim. It's just the Redeemer. We don't even get this guy's name. So John Doe Redeemer, of whom Boaz had spoken, came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. And he took ten men and the elders of the city. And he said, sit down here. And so they sat down. Then, this is Boaz, said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land and behold, and be, that belonged to her relative, Elimelech. So it was Boaz. Hey, boys, come together. This is the council. It's people who can make decisions. We're all going to sit down. It's like, hey, you guys know Naomi came back from Moab? There's this land that she had before she left because the land was all divided up. There's all things if you read through Joshua. The land was uh, 